Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 29. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today you listen to Nick Gregorio's interview. Nick is a third-degree black belt and the co-founder of the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood. Nick mentioned about the importance of putting systems in place in basically everything you do, especially in business. He also mentioned about the importance of meditation and the title of the podcast, Developing Your Beginner's Mind. Stay tuned right after Live Jiu-Jitsu's message. Us. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu-Jitsu. Live Jiu-Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and the United States who offer free jiu-jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, uniforms, tournament registrations, and the monthly expenses of these projects. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coaches donate all the profit of t-shirts and patches sales to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.liveju-jitsu.org. It's www.liveju-jitsu.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Nick Gregoriotis. Nick is a third-degree black belt who holds the honor of being the first person Roger Gracie promoted to black belt. He is a founding member of the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood and the author of The Black Belt Blueprint. Nick has hosted and founded several successful podcasts such as London Real, Digital Communion, The Journey Podcast, and The Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood Podcast. Nick first began martial arts as a child in his native South Africa. First with judo, then later at age 19, he found submission wrestling. Eventually, he moved to London where he found BJJ. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Gustavo. I really appreciate it. Yeah, first of all, congratulations on your recent win at the Fight to Win in Arizona. We're recording this in November of 2018. So it just happened in Scottsdale, Arizona. So congratulations. Thanks, and I And I saw like, hey, you know, should invite him to be on a podcast and here you are. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. So I share a little bit in the intro about your early days in martial arts, but when did BJJ show up in your life? So I was thinking how to answer that question. Uh, I mean, I, you know, officially jiu-jitsu, doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu was, was when I got to uh, London when I was 23 or 24 years old. But man, I was doing judo since the age of seven. And, and now that I think back, a lot of those judo lessons that I was doing included a lot of newaza. So I think it, it's probably fair to say, because, you know, judo and jiu-jitsu are almost the same. We just focus on different aspects. It's probably fair to say jiu-jitsu in one form or another showed up in my life from that early age of, I think it was seven or eight years old. So it's been a long time. And how do you feel BJJ relate to life? I think that everything everything in life okay if you look at jiu-jitsu it's jiu-jitsu is about finding the most efficient way to do things right mm -hmm. or finding the best way to do things and to me that's what life is about as well everything in life is about oh, i approach life i look at it as 
I'm trying to find the best technique for everything, whether that's brushing my teeth or uh, exercising my body or managing my finances or having a relationship or interacting with people. Everything I'm doing, I'm looking for the best techniques or the most efficient way to do things. Uh, and I think it's because, you know, my biggest fear, and it's, it's a common fear, my biggest fear is not being able to live up to my own potential. And so for me to, to live up to my own potential, I have to find the best way to do things or I'm not going to be able to do that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And when did you have the spark to have this, you know, you've been involved with so many projects, you know, you definitely have that entrepreneurial DNA. So when did you have that spark to start pursuing different things and uh, you're a world traveler for sure. So when did you have that bug? I think I've, I've probably always had it, but the, the point where it, I felt it most strongly is I, I got a job in an, in an office when I was um, pretty young. I think I was 19, just, just finished high school. Uh, and I got a job working for an internet company. And man, it, it really did not suit my temperament to be, to be in an office. And to, I know it sounds quite arrogant, but I just I never liked taking orders. I never liked being told what to do. Um, I think that goes back to school. It seemed to me that, you know, I arrived in this job and then I realized that, man, my whole life, someone's been telling me what to do. My mom and dad were telling me to do this. And then I got to grade school and the teachers were telling me what to do. And now I arrived at this job and this guy over there is telling me what to do and what I can wear, I can't wear and what time I have to be here. And I just never liked that, man. I just never really, it just, it got under my skin. And I think that that was the, the thing that got me to thinking that there has to be a better way or there has to be a different way to approach life and that I can have some more control of my own destiny. So I think that's probably where it, where it really took hold is my first job out of high school. Yeah, I related with this. That I think I even mentioned a podcast before. I was listening to the, the final thoughts that I did for Robert Drysdale. Yesterday, I was posting that. And I was thinking about some of the things that I said. And regarding to success, what success is, people have different perceptions about the meaning of the word success. And one of the things that I believe is success is living congruence with your values. And when I was young, I would, I would have to say maybe around 12, it was very clear to me that my number one value was my freedom of choice. 100%. And exactly what you just said, like, dude, I do not want to hear people telling me what to do. And, and when I was around 10, my mom got in an extremely toxic relationship from like uh, when I was from 10 to 16. And that was a very important moment in my life. And that was basically, I was grounded 24 seven. I couldn't do anything. I wasn't doing well in school. I was just, and him just telling, basically that, I think that was my spark of like him, like, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you know, so I knew that at some point, of course, at moments in my life, I had to work with things that I did not want to because, but that was, I knew that it's something that I had to do in order to eventually get the freedom that I wanted. Right. But uh, yeah, I, to I, agree. I totally, yeah. I totally relate. Mm -hmm. And Glad uh, to hear it. now with, uh, when did you start Jujutsu Brotherhood? Uh, that was... So I started Jiu-Jitsu Brother as a very simple blog in 2007. So yeah, 11 years ago. Um, and at first it was just basic blog. I put up an article that I wrote on some thought I had on Jiu-Jitsu. And 
you know, just bit by bit, I, I started adding more articles. And then I, I, there was a point came that I said, you know, I should take it a little bit more seriously. People are responding to it. The websites, the, the blog is getting good traffic. Uh, you know, I thought maybe I'll sell a t-shirt with my, with my logo, with a logo on it. And mm -hmm. so I put a t-shirt up and it sold really well. And so then I started thinking, okay, well, uh, how, how else can I, what else can I do with this? And eventually it turned into the books and the videos and, and the geese and the affiliates. And it just started to grow and grow. I think the turning point where uh, things really got, um, where it became a lot more successful is when I, I took on a, a partner who was a student of mine uh, named Dr. Mark Barton. And, you know, it's, it's cool for guys like you and I to have not been in the corporate world or to have foregone that experience because we liked our freedom. But the problem is that there are certain things, there are certain benefits that you get yep. when you incorporate into that that world um such as things like time management and logistics management and and uh just a level of professionalism i guess is the best way to put it you know there's something it's you know jujitsu it's a it's a very relaxed kind of chilled out thing and you know you know we just roll and we have fun and maybe you line the class up at the beginning you put a bit of discipline in and but at the end of the day it's quite a relaxed uh free-spirited kind of thing and i think that um my business partner, having come from the, the world of medicine, he was an extremely um, high-level uh, medical professional. He brought a lot of systems and a lot of logistical know-how to to what we were doing with Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood, and that I guess that was the point where it was really born as a as a full-time project. Yeah, it's important to have those partnerships that you have the visionary and, and the integrator, you know, someone that mm -hmm. has some ideas like you, you're going to have the ideas or do that. And he brings that. So I assume he's a good integrator to put a lot of that experience that he got together in the corporate world together. So this mm -hmm. is this is great. Now, how did you did you have any fears or doubts during this process of starting the Jujitsu Brotherhood to take to another level? And if you did, how did you handle it? You know, Gustavo, if I'm honest with you, I still have fears and doubts. Uh, it's, I've been, even just last week, I went through uh, a period of a couple of days where I'm sure, I mean, I haven't met a human being that doesn't experience it, but there's a point where your mind is not working for you. I know this is something that you, you uh, obviously know a lot about with your work with BZJ Mental Coach. Um, you know, sometimes you can, you can understand or, or you can have all the tools in the world. You can understand that you need to be disciplined and that you need to think positively and you need to do your gratitude journal. And however, sometimes it's still almost impossible to get your mind under control and it, it kind of turns against you. And, uh, I definitely had those fears in the beginning and still do. Sometimes I look at where, where, um, the brand is and the business is and I'm not happy with it and I start beating myself up and I guess the only way I deal with that is just it's it's meditation I, I just sit down and meditate and, and, and I try to put some distance between myself and my thoughts and and to realize that I need to stop identifying with my thoughts um, and that this will pass eventually so I think that that's that's been something that's been happening to me my whole life, um, including when I started Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood, it was always thoughts of like, oh, are you going to make this? Are you going to make it? Maybe you should have taken that job at the bank. Maybe you should have, you know, just settled for, 
for mediocrity. It's easier that way. Um, but eventually that feeling passes and, uh, you know, I get back on track and I'd say 90, 95% of the time I'm a positive guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd actually be interested to ask you if you go through those kinds of things. <laughs> like you said, you know, uh, I like to say that we all have the dark passengers, right? You know, that it's, it's going to be telling us in our mind, you know, all the, that brings all the negativity, the, the doubts, insecurities. Mm-hmm. And I feel that the best word that I can use that over the years I've been studying personal development for about uh, since 2010, uh, I have to say to use the word curious, to be curious about why am I feeling this way? You know, and I try to attack, and that's what I've been doing for the uh, for the past few years. Always attacking what what exactly is bringing that anxiety or fear. One of, the, one of the things that I learned with um, I'm a high performance uh, coach certified. I have performance coach uh, under Brenda Bouchard. He got a great program, and I probably got involved with his content maybe four to five years ago and has made a big impact on me, a lot of good things. And one of the things he said that the human being for the most part is uh, scared of three types of pains, the loss pain, the process pain, and the outcome pain. Actually, I did talk about this in one of the final thoughts, maybe laborious one. So what he's saying with this is, for example, when you think about someone that is thinking about competing, right? So we talk about maybe he never competed before and you tell him, hey, do you, what do you think about competing? And say like, hey, you know what, let me think about it. And say like, yeah, man, you've been doing really well. Maybe he never competed, right? In a couple of months, going to have a tournament. He's a white belt. And, and he goes home and say, like, you know what, I'll talk with you. And then he's going to think, yeah, man, that'll be cool. You know, it's cool that he's saying that I'm improving. You know, that'll be cool to compete. It'll be awesome. But wait a minute. What if I lose? And then feel the anxiety coming up. Like, wait, what if I go all through this? process and I end up losing and then my kids going to be there my family is going to be there they're going to think that I'm a loser and then my my co-workers are going to be on my case and then you know what uh, I'll do it next time and the anxiety is gone so basically I just mentioned all three when you say the the loss pain loss is not losing the tournament but losing self-esteem losing respect you know, the process, which is legit, the pain of the process, is, it's legit. The process is hard. And then, man, imagine I'm going all over this process. I have to watch my weight. I got to eat healthier. I got to spend more nights at school. And then the outcome is not what I want. So sometimes all these three get piled up. So usually I like to pinpoint exactly what is the fear that, I, that I'm actually feeling. Mm. And let me just give you a practical example about uh, to, uh, those 2014. I was doing, uh, I was competing and I was doing well in a master's division. And I was like, man, um, I'd like to try the world one more time, you know, the adult. Um, because since I moved to the US, my, my competition career just went to a different, different route. And I thought about, man, I think it's, uh, Whenever is the right time, I'm going to jump in. So I just finished competing. I think it was at the Nationals, uh, the IBJJF Nationals. And uh, I had like, it was a good time because sometimes it needs to be the right window for me to be ready to a competition because I have other uh, things. And I know that I get, you know, really into it. If I'm going to compete, I, a lot of the things that, that are important in my professional life probably going to suffer. I understand that. So 
there's some windows that I have to to prepare. So I, I, and I saw like, man, I got six good weeks here. It was actually five, and I was already coming from a tournament, and and the IBJJF came with the thing of having points to compete at the Worlds, and I didn't want to just sign up for the Worlds. And I'm like, okay, I like that challenge that I have to earn the spot there and then i look at the competition list and then when i look at it right away you know it just hit me massive anxiety and then my dark passenger just came in like you know dude you understand that you're 40 right what are you gonna do in your adult division and all that so as soon as i noticed that i stop and I'm curious about that what exactly i'm feeling okay yeah i'm i'm afraid of losing that's what that is. You know, I'm afraid losing the process. Not, you know, not really, but you know, like I'm losing, you know, the loss, the, the pain loss in the outcome. And I swear to God, like right away, I just pull my wallet, get the, the credit card and sign up for the tournament at the spot. Because one of those things that I'd be curious about the fear and I want to attack some of those fears. And I did. And it actually ended up working out, and I won the adult featherweight, which was awesome, you that's know. Cool. And, and then opened At the door. Forty years old. Yeah. Wow, and then I weird. and then I did more tournaments, and I got the points to compete at the Worlds in 2015. The adult actually, I scored cool. 51 points, you know. So I was like barely made it, but I made it, you know. That's cool. But this is a good um, uh, for the listeners uh, too. I think this is a good way to see it just to be curious about your anxiety and then now it's up to you to do the work to explore that which is absolutely not easy you know what i mean i, th- I mean you, you've we've all heard the expression uh the the difference between uh, there's no both the courage uh, both the courageous man and the coward feel the fear it's just each person responds to it differently and something that i'm so fond of that a teacher taught me many years ago is that uh, let's say something causes you X number of units of anxiety or fear. So for you signing up for the, the worlds, for the adult worlds in 2014 on a level of fear of naught to hundred was 55, right? Mm-hmm. When you meet that 55 level uh, of fear and then you take the action anyway, you are then rewarded with 55 points of courage. Mm-hmm. right or an equivalent amount of courage that's cool so when you take the action to overcome so for me i'm always when i discover these these fear points i just think to myself i'd rather i'd rather get the courage points than than leave them on the table if that makes sense yeah. so i usually i take the action not always but i try to take the action and overcome the fear because man the courage is always worth it or almost always worth it yeah that's the the saying courage is not the absence of fear is feeling that fear and doing anyway isn't it sad but uh i feel that especially for people for all the listeners you are getting involved in the entrepreneurial world you have to really be curious about how you're feeling and and go after because there's so many things that you're going to risk and you really don't know and a lot of people sometimes get just frozen by that the fear of the unknown don't know and maybe they're not even able to locate you know the the three types of pain that the human being usually try to avoid mm-hmm. and i think this is a good thing for people to think about it like oh yeah man you know because what is the worst is going to happen i'm going to lose or maybe i got submitted or what is the worst it's going to happen when you see is not that bad <laughs> you know what i mean it's not that bad we just we just make it you know sound like it's really bad mm-hmm. now 
during your entrepreneurial journey, what are some of the toughest moments that you've faced and what did you learn from it? Uh, well, you, you of all people understand that the, the industry we're in, the jiu-jitsu industry, it's not a big industry. You know, if you compare it to pretty much any other industry, it's, it's absolutely tiny. And so the market that we're dealing with is so small relatively that to stand, and there's so many competitors, everyone wants to, to own a jiu-jitsu brand and do something in the jiu-jitsu space. So, you know, sometimes over the last uh, jiu-jitsu brother, it's been going as a business properly for, I think this is close to six years. I mean, there've been several times when, you know, our cash flow has been pretty tight and I've just thought like, can we continue? Is it, is it worth continuing? Is it worth going through this struggle? You know? Uh, and the thing that gets me through it is I just realized that I've looked at all these brands that have come and gone over the years and, I look at a lot of guys like, Hey, I want to, I want to start a jiu-jitsu company or I want to sell geese or whatever. And you see that they, they'll start it up. And as soon as it gets difficult, they'll just give up. Right. And I've just said to myself, I never want to be, I never want to be that person. You know, I'm not, I'm not a quitter. I don't, I don't just get up, give up and I'll, I'll be here when everyone else has quit, you know, and that, that's just the mentality I always take. And, that's again coming back to what we discussed previously is when when those dark passengers are are, are riding along with me i that's one of the one of the key thoughts that keeps me going is like i just i'm not a quitter i just i just don't quit that's not me um so yeah i guess that's does that answer your question Gustavo? yeah yeah and one of the things that i i've brought many times to the podcast too something that gary vaynerchuk likes to talk about is there's well, people have different concepts, but you know, the one that he shares that I really like, he says some people have entrepreneurial DNA and some people have entrepreneurial tendencies. When you have the tendency, like, dude, that would be cool to have a business. You know what I mean? Have my own hours. And then when really things don't go well, and that's the group that he just mentioned that it'd be like, all right, I'm done. I just going to go back to work, man. It's not for me. Yeah, and you have the, the DNA. Has, yeah, B, yeah, that's the same it. group that has BJJ tendencies and BJJ DNA, right? Well, at least mm-hmm. martial arts tendencies and martial arts DNA. Everyone wants the black belt. Mm-hmm. Everyone, everyone wants one. Everyone who comes through the door to your academy or to any academy, you know, they want to get the black belt, whether they say so or not. Ultimately, they want it. But how many of them can? stick it out and suffer through the difficulties and the pains and the competitions and the injuries and the time. Not many, not many, right? Absolutely. Now, what, what is a topic that you like to share, some concept that you like that has helped you in your entrepreneurial journey that can help some of the listeners? We, we do have a lot of experienced entrepreneurs. We do have a lot of people in transition that actually are in the corporate world and they're not actually happy and they want to go to a transition but what are some of the concepts that have helped you in the past that you'd like to share with them i think that approaching everything with this similar similar to what you said about that get curiosity it's it's that idea of being open-minded and it's in in martial arts they refer to it as beginner's mind you know i i no matter how good I get at any particular aspect of the business, whether it's building websites or hiring freelancers or whatever it is, writing content, designing geese, whatever I'm doing, I always remember that 
there's something that I'm not seeing or there's some aspect that I, I could improve upon. And I just try to remain open-minded and I try to question what, what, what am I missing or, or where could I improve? And I think if you have that mentality, uh, it's hard to go wrong. It's, it's, it's easier to stay on the, on the correct course. Yeah, I like that. When I look back, my, well, I've been here in the U.S. for 20 years right now. So as soon as I graduate from college, I came here. But when I, when I look back on the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey, let's say, I always had a struggle. That's a pattern that I, that I got from my mom. We all have, you know, we, we pick up good and also good patterns from our parents, right? And, and one that, uh, that I got that is not a very good one, actually, it got me to a certain point and then I, I hit a plateau. But I had this thing that uh, I shouldn't be asking for help. I should have figured out myself. And I would feel extremely guilty when I asked for help. And I didn't have the clarity for years to see that, you know, and Mm-hmm. And I, I remember this is actually like super personal. I can't remember if I mentioned a podcast at all, but I remember when I was seven years old and my, uh, my mom got divorced from my dad and was, I was four, my brother was eight. And by seven years old, my dad basically wasn't in my life anymore. And I remember my mom talking on the phone with a lawyer and I was listening. And then basically uh, she was asking about child support and so forth. And then the lawyer said like, well, I mean, he hasn't been paying in three years. I mean, he, he's going to go to jail, you know, and in Brazil, they really crack on that. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember my mom telling, uh, just saying, you know, uh, I haven't, I, you know, I didn't need him for three years and I don't need him. I don't need his help and I can do all by myself. And that re- literally ingrained at that moment, you know, and, and this I found out through therapies and stuff like that that I've been doing, you know, being involved for a long time. That was a crucial moment in my life that I put the stamp like, you're not supposed to ask for help. If your mom, single mom, got two kids and raised by herself with no help, you know, you don't need to ask for help. But as the, the thing is, as my business, my things start growing, I was like, I need more Gustavos, you know, like I'm running out of, you know, yeah. Gustavos here. And I started at least to ask for help, but I still feel, would feel bad. I still feel bad that I'm like, I shouldn't be doing that. And of course, you know, working more on myself and more therapy and learning more that, that it's okay. It's okay. And, and we have to ask for help. There's no way we're going to be able to do by ourselves and especially for the entrepreneurs listening or if whether you you're in a grind mode right now and you just you know just put your head down just work understand that uh, you will need help period so mm-hmm. it took once in a while because here's the thing too nick um the dark passengers some of those negative patterns they don't disappear we learn how to control them and the best way is with self-awareness so once in a while, I get caught on, on that pattern. You know, um, one of my teachers to say, like, we all have the dirty dozen, the dirty dozen negative patterns that's going to just haunt you. <laughs> and this was one of them asking for help. That's one of the patterns that was really bad. So once in a while, I, you know, I get caught. However, when you practice being mindful, when you practice self-awareness, I'm able to at least identify quicker and then like hit, just center back on that's fine there's no problem at all in asking for help so self-awareness is huge on like realizing some of the negative patterns that you're on now it's up to you to say like hey am i going to 
stick here with, you know, this, you know, close minded, you know, thought, or I'm going to open my mind. If I want to grow, I, I have to get this beginner's mindset, like you just mentioned, you know, so super, super important. Now, what would you say it's a one high performance habit that you have that has helped you in progress in jujitsu and entrepreneurship, something that you do every day that has been helping you? You know, I like to, the way my mind works is I'm, I consider myself someone who I like to have systems put in place. Mm. Uh, I believe that everything, jujitsu to a degree, but especially with business, when you run a business, you need to have systems put in place. Um, because once, once you have a solid system put in place, it frees up your mental energy to focus on the creative aspects or, or the other things. And so for me, I'm always looking at how to A, put systems into place and then B, how to improve upon those systems. So for example, um, I, I sell certain online products and, uh, you know, I started to notice that, okay, first of all, it's a system. The person goes onto the website, they purchase, then they get an email that sends them their product and it's all pretty much automatic. But then we started to have certain issues. People were saying that they, they weren't receiving their downloads and I realized, okay, the system is, that particular system is broken or it could be working better. And so I, I did a deep dive into it and I, I figured out a way to improve that system. And so I improved it and then, you know, it started running perfectly on its own again. And those kind of things I really appreciate because the story of the small business owner or the entrepreneur who's just totally busy and uh, you spread himself too thin and, and hasn't delegated and hasn't put systems in place is very common and it, it doesn't lead to success. And if it does, that success is very short lived because the person burns out. Um, and I actually, I, I would recommend a book to any of your readers called work the system. I forget the name of the author right now, but, um, that was a fantastic book and it made me really think about about that jiu-jitsu i think it's it's a paradox because you need to to put systems in place you need to have strategies but also jiu-jitsu is an organic process and you need to allow certain things to emerge according to your own style and your body type and if you try to force too many systems onto it, your game becomes very mechanical but um it's i think there's still something to be said for in integrating systems into jiu-jitsu it's interesting that I mentioned about my pattern of not asking for help that, you know, I've been, been aware of for a while. So I've been working on, and it's, I think one of the, not, I think I'm pretty positive that one of the main books that opened up my mind for that was the four hour work week. I can't remember when I read, maybe it was 2010. I can't remember, but it's crazy that that was the first time that I actually put thought into the word delegation like you know what delegating is like yeah yeah i know okay but like i never really put thought to like are you actually delegating you know tasks and stuff at work and i wasn't because of my pattern of you know i need to do everything by myself and i don't want to ask for help and then i remember <laughs> running tournaments i've been doing been running tournaments in arizona since 2001 and i mean the beginning I did everything, which means I called the matches. I'm the referee. I, you know, and, and then I, I give the medals a counterpoint. I'm, I mean, every position I'll do and, and got to a point when I started going to gymnasium, like, okay, you, you, you can't do that anymore. You have to, you know, get more staff and stuff like that. So that little by little 
actually that book, it, it helped me in a lot of different ways. Uh, the for our work week is not for everyone, for sure. You know, the, that book. But just my main takeaway, there's two, one, to, to delegate, for me to put more thought into delegate. And I start to actually do better after that. And then, of course, over the years, I've been improving and so forth. And uh, dele delegating, it was the, it's definitely the first one. And the second one was the freedom of it's possible for you to live anywhere you want and with your computer and your your cell phone or whatever, and you can live anywhere you want. Of course, it takes a while to build that system, you know, and this is something that, as I mentioned, uh, my number one value is my, is my freedom of choice. And that's something that I've been working towards nowadays. I don't teach classes anymore. So I have my freedom that if I want to teach class, I'll go in, you know, but I don't have to be there. You know, the same thing with my events, I create a good system that I don't run the tournaments anymore. I oversee, but I don't, Necessarily, sometimes I don't even go to make sure that it's running properly. So mm -hmm. everything that uh, I try to create in my life is based on the value of the freedom of choice, mm -hmm. that I don't have to be anywhere. I can do everything through. And so right now, my son still lives with me. But in a few more years, I'll be doing a lot more traveling and then, which I already do, but I'm saying like, I can go and spend three months in a country and then come back in Arizona and then go and travel some more. But as you mentioned, you, you must have those systems in place in order to do that. And I'm still going through the growing pains of that. You know, when I think that it's like, good, man, I got this going on. I was like, Ipsh. and then I, I learned a lesson. Okay, I'm not quite there yet. Okay, what do you need to fix? You know, so I've been improving a lot in the past, like, I think the past three years, I step up a lot with systems, you know, and business, you know, so that's a... Yeah man so important point that you mentioned so actually uh i first got to thinking of that also through the four-hour work week because tim ferris in that book said that a good business if you leave it alone for a year when you come back it's running better than it was before you left and I, that was always the vision in my mind when and, and if i do any kind of business that's my ultimate vision i know i need to be there for the creation of it and, and putting the systems into place and, and starting the engine going. But eventually I want there to be a point where the business will be able to run without me there. Mm -hmm. And if, if it doesn't have that potential, then I, it's again, because my value, as you said, one of my prime values is, is that of freedom. The idea, anything that, that, I mean, the thought of being in a business where I have to be there 10 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, yeah. for 10 years, it's just, that's death to me. It's just, I cannot imagine anything worse. So, um, yeah, that's, that's one of the, it, uh, I think we're very similar in that we have this freedom as our guiding, guiding value. Big time. Now, what is the best advice you've ever received? And I want you to pick a topic, could it be jujitsu, could it be personal, professional, what did you say? Uh, yeah, I was thinking about this earlier today of how best I could respond to this question. And I have a, a, a close friend who, who I would also consider a, a mentor of mine. He's a very successful man. Uh, he's very successful in business. And he's a very powerful, uh, just a powerful person. He's, he's got a lot of control over himself and and his uh, his world. And he gave me a little piece of advice that I think probably saved my life, uh, which was, he said to me, 
this was when I was maybe 22, 20, 21, 22. He said to me, Nick, I want you to do something for me. I want you to take every day five minutes for yourself and to sit alone without any distractions with your eyes closed and just listen to the sound of your, your breathing. Just focus on the sound of your breathing. Every time you start thinking about something, just bring your awareness back to the sound of your breathing. And at the time, I didn't realize that, but, but he was basically giving me the recipe from, from a form of meditation. And, you know, I didn't really listen to him at that time. Um, I, I did meditate a little bit. I played around with it a little bit, but I didn't, I didn't make it a, a disciplined habit. And it was only many years later that I went through a very difficult period in my life where uh, the dark passengers were threatening to over, overwhelm the ship, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, it hit me. I was like this, this, this tool in my, in, my, in my head, my mind, which I always thought was on my side and that was going to help me get where I wanted to go in life. This thing, um, the expression is the mind is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. And the mind had become, it had become the master it was in the driver's seat and it was, it was torturing me. It was absolutely torturing me. I remember there was a specific thought I'd wake up in the morning. I'll never forget it. And the second I wake up, I'd wake up, you know, I'd realize, okay, I've, I've just woken up. And then the thought, it would find this one thought, the thought that it knew it could hurt me the most with and just start whipping me. From the minute I woke up to the minute I went to sleep, my mind was just whipping me with this thought, just playing this thought, playing it over in my head. And I realized, God damn, I'm not in control of this thing. And I, then I remembered that advice my friend gave me, you know, just sit, sit for five minutes each day. And I thought, okay, I've got it. I'll try anything. And I, I sat down and I, you know, I felt a little bit better after that first five minutes. And then I started doing it regularly and then I expanded that length of time. And eventually meditation, it solved that for me. And it made me realize that I am not my thoughts and I can separate mm -hmm. myself from them and just look at them as an observer. And uh, I think to this day that that piece of advice that gentleman gave to me was, was the most important. That was a, an amazing advice. Matter of fact, and, and I do practice this you over the years more and more, even before the interview, I put just, usually I do more, but just five minutes, just to center. That's all, just to breathe. And I love that you said, you know, I'm, I'm not my thoughts. And also for people to think I'm not my patterns, I'm not my parents' patterns, you know what I mean? Because a lot of the stuff that, or whoever you grew up with, that you're able to adopt that in your self-image and you've been carrying this, this whole time. And... Mm -hmm. A lot of the times we just end up not even questioning this that we have in our self-image. We just go with it. And then until you figure out that, wait a minute, I'm not my mom's pattern of I don't need help. That was her pattern. It passed to me. It's up to me to block, you know, just kind of break that. Otherwise, I will pass through my son. And for all the listeners, watch it because whatever negative patterns that you pass that you got from, you know, coming from the chain or grand grand uh, parents, you know, coming all the way down to you, it's uh, it's up to you that, you know, yeah. either you follow the course or you rebel against and go through a different direction. So this is something that, I, you know, it's people need to practice that thinking I'm not my thoughts and I'm not my pattern. So this is a great advice, man. And it's interesting yeah. too, that you mentioned about like, you know, it didn't make sense or, you know, 
usually we learn through pain, right? It would be nice to learn through love. You know, it would be, I love to say that someone give you advice. Like, okay, got it. We want to start using, especially when you're younger, it doesn't go like that. You need to go through some crap to be like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I remember now what he said. The, the Bible says the sins of the fathers uh, shall be visited upon the seventh generation up to the seventh generation. And if you think about that, I mean, I don't know if that's true, but it's an interesting thing to think about mm. that the pattern of the father just gets played through the son and then the grandson and et cetera, et cetera. And, and that what you mentioned about being a, being self-reflexive enough to be able to identify and discover a pattern and, and then be able to break it is, it takes a special kind of person. And I, I'm actually of the opinion that it, you can't really do it yourself because there's certain patterns that are so, uh, they're so in front of your yeah. face. Yeah. That you, you can't see them, you know, and then you, it, it takes someone else to point them out to you. Or I personally think that things like plant medicine can help. Mm-hmm. Um, therapy is another thing you mentioned earlier, but yeah, we, we all have them, no doubt about it. And I guess the best way to, to one of the best ways you can figure out what those uh, things are is just look at your life and identify the patterns identify the patterns in in all your relationships and the circumstances and the events and uh yeah it'll usually tell you the story right yeah and i feel that you just we just have to be really really humble because i felt that when i started getting involved with personal development books and audiobooks and all that kind of stuff online courses, I made huge progress. I'm like, wow, this is, this is awesome. You know, like all the stuff that I did, but got one point, I don't know if the listeners would relate to this or not, but I hit a wall and I, and it officially said, okay, now I need professional help. I need someone to point that out. Like you just mentioned, you know, there's so much that you can do with books and, you know, it, it helped me tremendously and still do a lot. However, you do need, if you want to go deep, yeah, you're going to need, you're going to need some help to get some of those, those patterns are being there for so long, you know, and uh, it's up to us to make, just break that cycle, you know, and what happens often, I mean, the example that I can give as far as like my mom, which is basically my best friend, she knows everything about me. How, um, however, she wasn't always in a same, that kind of mindset, especially let's say over 20 years ago, I've been here in the uh, in United States, but she she understood that uh, in her mind, the pattern, what she believed, what my grandpa thought was success was passed to her. So she thought this, this is success. This You go to college, you, you get a job, you become a lawyer or become something else and then you, gra- you know, and graduate and get a, a steady job and you retire and then that's it. And that was vision. So we kind of bang heads because when I did go to college, but the difference was that in Brazil, to have like a gym, it really, really helps if you have a degree in physical education to have like, because the only idea that I have, I never thought I was going to live abroad. And I just knew that when I was 16, I said, I'm going to have my jujitsu academy, where it's going to be, when it's going to have, I had no idea. So all my life was, you know, around, around that goal. And she really didn't, I think didn't believe much. My family was just kind of like, oh, jiu-jitsu is good. Keep away from trouble and all this stuff. Like, no, guys don't understand. I actually going to do this for a living. So 
I was able to go to a public school, so I studied for free. So it was uh, in college, so she couldn't say like nothing about this. But when I decided that I want to pursue, you know, uh, go to college for physical education, you know, she had a fit. I mean, like, you're not going to make any money. You're going to be a PE teacher, you know, all that. You need to do business school. And, and I'm like, who's talking about money? You know, no one's talking about money. I'm just talking about doing what I want to do. So we bang heads for a while. And here's the thing. The sad thing is that a lot of people end up just going with it, whatever the parents said. And remember, I have dark past energy. You have, your parents have, my mom had dark past energy too. And she passed her insecurities to me. And that was the best of her intentions, you know, to be like, no, I want to protect him. Like, no, if you go this route, you're not going to be successful. But now it definitely takes some, um, I don't know if he's called stubborn. I said, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. And that caused some tension, but like, I'm, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And so many people in, in the world that have maybe that entrepreneurial thing inside, but maybe because of, they just got overwhelmed with parents just shutting them down and be like, well, I guess this is how it is. And not necessarily. So remember, you're not your patterns or your parents patterns totally agree with you now what advice would you give to your younger self when you let's say when you start the um brotherhood so what would you if you have a chance to give him one tip you know looking back i'm bad that a one tip is not enough you know what i mean but what is the one thing you would just say Mm, i think gustavo that uh the the main pitfall or the trap that I've fallen into many times is uh, a lack of focus. Uh, especially my younger self, I was I spent a lot of time chasing chasing women, chasing girls. Uh, and you know, as I get older, I think when you get older, you realize that your energy is finite and your time is finite, and that anything for anything to be successful, you have it it needs it needs your energy as a fuel and your, your focus as a fuel. And that if you don't have that, it's, I guess everyone's heard the, everyone's seen that example. If you have a a magnifying glass, you can focus the rays of the sun to like set something on fire. And it's like that with projects, you have to really focus the rays of your energy to start the fire, to get the thing going. If the light, if the, if, if your, your focus isn't there, it's never going to start that fire. So I think if I could go back to to the ten, the Nick from ten or twenty years ago, I would say to say to him, be very, very jealous about how you use your energy and your and where you focus your energy. And uh, yeah, that would probably be be it. Yeah, but like being young, you know, when I look back into my, let's say, my personal development journey, you know, honestly, I always pretty hard in a way with myself since I started really studying consistently in 2010, I feel that before, even though I had my goals in mind, I wasn't as focused as I shouldn't be in at all. You know, uh, I honestly, I can say that I really didn't have much self-awareness. Let's say I didn't have, I like to say to the self-awareness, like let's call the level zero to a hundred. Maybe we're never going to hit a hundred level. You know, we can shoot for it. But let's say my my levels of self-awareness were pretty low, I would say, as far as like the whole thing and yeah, being distracted by a lot of things, even when 
when it was 2003 that uh, I got divorced, I, I didn't have any emotional maturity to handle that. I didn't know how to, how to handle what was happening. My ex-wife and my son moving back to Brazil and suddenly I'm, you know, uh, he was three and wow. I didn't have the emotional maturity to handle that and kind of got into depression. And when I got out, guess what? Self-destructive mode going out, you know, five, six days a week. I didn't compete for four years, you know, and wow. uh, um, self-esteem very low. You know, and I wish I could say like Gustavo, stay focused, but I did the best I could with the emotional maturity that I had at that moment. And for everyone, for you and for the listeners, you know, not to kind of dwell much on some of the options that we have made in the past is accept that you literally did the best you could with the emotional maturity you had at that moment. If you knew better, like, hell yeah, I'll totally do better, but you didn't know. So that's why I always mention to my advice to my younger self, like, dude, pick up a book, go study, learn self-awareness, you know, just to start getting situated. What is going on? What are you doing? You know, even though my life was moving, there were moments that I think it wasn't moving at all. I felt it was moving, but, but it wasn't. So it took a lot of beatings to start like really wake up and, and become more self-aware, you know? So now I'm like a personal development junkie, you know, I'm always, you know, studying, listening. I just, like it comes back to that beginner's uh, mentality you're saying of just being open mind. And that's what I try to do the most, you know, just listen. Sometimes I'm going to listen to some stuff and I'm like, eh, I don't kind of agree. And then say something, oh, got it. And super important to everyone to keep this open mind. Now, what is a book that uh, you'd recommend and why? Well, the, my favorite book, I mean, obviously, there's a recency bias um, involved in the answering of this question uh, because I just read this a year ago and it's been at the forefront of my mind. Um, I was I recommended it to a friend, a close friend of mine, and then he absolutely loved it as well. And we recommended it to another mutual friend. And then it was a, a group of about four or five of us that just we loved this book so much. We had to get together and sit down and just talk about it. Um, it's a book by a gentleman who lives in Scottsdale, actually. His name's MJ DeMarco, and uh, it's called Unscripted. Uh, and the subtitle is Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Entrepreneurship. Hmm. And the, the premise of the book explains how it's very, very, it's a fantastic book. I recommend getting the, the audio version because it's quite long and the, the narrator is, is very good and, and very engaging. But he explains how you know, we, society creates these, what he calls hyper realities, um, which are fake things that we presume to be real, but that aren't, for example, everyone now is caught in the social media hyper reality. So you'll go to a, a restaurant and there's a group of 10 women, there, all out there on a ladies night to see each other and hang out, but they're all just sitting on their phones, playing on their like phones and they're stuck in this hyper reality or there's a hyper reality that claims that um, you need to work 50 hours a week uh, at a nine, uh, at a, a steady job. And um, that's what you're going to do for the rest of your life and then retire. And then it, it's hyper realities basically referred to these, these social paradigms that aren't necessarily true and that are often destructive and that lead to one leading a very scripted life. Um, a life that's been decided for them by their parents or by their their church elders or by their 
boss or by the companies that want to sell them products. And the script is that you're this consumer and that you fall into this certain pattern that just follows this very predictable life script. And so what MJ DeMarco has done is he's taken, uh, he, he's realized that you don't have to lead a scripted life. You can lead an unscripted life that is totally different and, and spectacular and a lot better in many ways. And he's outlaid the path, which it, it's just a real no bullshit. He calls it as it is um, view on money and relationships and society and Man, it's, I've, I've listened to it three times now. It's just the, the, the thing that really made me happy about listening to it is I realized that I, I already thought like he does in many ways. I mean, he's got a lot more details to his system than, than I do to mine. And I've taken a lot of those. But I was like, hey, that's cool. I've led a pretty unscripted life. And he's, he gave me some tools to help the next phase of my life be even more unscripted and even more exciting and, and uh, unlimited, I guess. So I'd strongly recommend that Unscripted by MJ DeMarco. I like it. I'm on, I'm on to check it out, actually. Now, what are you currently excited about? What's going on? That's a very good question. You know, if I'm honest, Gustavo, I'm not actually currently excited about too much. And that is something I've been meditating on for the past couple of weeks is that I'm, I'm not feeling very inspired uh, in my life. And um, it's a good thing because I'm now searching for the next level of inspiration. And that's the, the next thing that's going uh, to, the, the, the thing that excites me is I know that there is a, a new path coming for me. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I'm, I'm open to it and I'm, 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 I'm looking for it. Uh, so so I know the inspiration and the excitement is going to come. Um, regarding projects I'm working on, uh, there is one one that I've had in the pipeline for about two years, which finally we're going to film it. I'm flying to Colorado next week to film it. It's um, it's a, a martial arts fitness product, which is going to be uh, body weight and kettlebell training for for grapplers and martial artists of all ages. Um, it's basically a a lifetime of work that I'm, I'm bringing to, to a certain, to, to a point and I'm going to make something pretty cool, I think. So when it comes to my work, that is the thing I'm, that is the thing I'm drawing energy from. But other than that, I'm, I'm in a holding pattern. I'm just trying to figure out what's the next, how am I going to get over to the next, to the other side the, the, where I'm feeling great and inspired again. Um, you know, I, you know what, I relate with exactly what you're saying. I'm going through a phase right now, right now we're in, November 2018, going through a phase like that too, that achieving things that, you know, I have, you know, set to achieve years ago. And now exactly that, like, okay, what is, what is the next phase is going to look like? So I've been doing a lot of just self-discovery, just studying a lot, just doing a lot of things to help to give me even more clarity. You know, mm. it could just cruise right now, but it doesn't feel right just to cruise. So I, so I'm, Definitely being very, very curious about what I know what what inspires me and so forth, but I, I want to get deeper. And so I'm just going through this phase right now. So I totally relate, man. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, so for the listeners, we're getting close to the, the end of the interview. So make sure that you stick around with my final thoughts at the end. So if you want to just plug anything that you want, give a message to the listeners, how they can reach you. 
Sure. Uh, the easiest way to see anything I do, especially stuff related to jujitsu, is just head on over to my uh, main website, which is jujitsubrotherhood.com. And uh, I also have another website, digitalcommunion.com. I think, I think I'm going to be starting that back up again. That was the second podcast, maybe the third podcast I started. It's been on hiatus for a couple of years, but I think my partner and I are going to start that up again because we had a lot of fun doing that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, jujitsubrother.com or digitalcommunion.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Nick. Sure, my brother. And for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Who's Cool, buddy. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with Nick Gregoriadis. For those who are just listening only to the final thoughts, Nick is a third-degree black belt who holds the honor of being the first person Roger Gracie promoted to black belt, and he's the co-founder of the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood. Great episode. Nick mentioned about the importance of putting systems in place in basically everything you do, especially in business. And he also mentioned about the importance of meditation and the title of the podcast, Developing Your Beginner's Mind. In the book, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, Informal Talks on Zen Meditation and Practice, the author Shinryu Suzuki mentions, quote, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. The experts, there are few. Unquote. The message is simple. Just be humble. I read that truly humility is staying teachable regardless of how much you already know. And I hope you're able to grab at least one good takeaway from the interview. And personally, I learn a lot from this episode as I usually do. As many of you already know, after each interview, I reflect on what would be a good takeaway and I start to research so I can deliver informative content for you and the final thoughts. And for Nick's interview, I researched on Google Beginner's Mind and two main books stood out to me, Shinryu Suzuki's book, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, and a book that I already had it. And it was on my waiting list to listen, in my case, since I prefer audiobooks. The Art of Learning, An Inner Journey of Optimal Performance by Josh Wenskin. And I'm going to share a few facts about him that are available on his website, Wikipedia, and also on his book. For those who don't know, Josh, as a child, he was recognized as a chess prodigy. And he first noticed the game of chess being played while walking with his mother in New York City's Washington Square Park at the age of six. And Josh's first teachers were down-and-out street hustlers who took Josh under their wings and cleaned up their acts when their prodigy came to play. And by seven years old, Josh was already taking advanced chess classes that took him to win eight national championships. In 1993, the film Searching for Bobby Fischer was released based on his life. And since I've never seen it before, I decided to watch it for the first time and I really enjoyed it. It was a great movie. I highly recommend if you haven't watched. And by the way, I'm not done with his accomplishments yet. At 21, Josh began to transition away from his career in chess and into the study of the Chinese martial arts Tai Chi Chuan. And personally, I didn't even know that Tai Chi had a competitive side of, of the art with a few different styles. And Eventually, Josh got involved with competition, and for five straight years, Josh was the Tai Chi Push Hands Middleweight National Champion, and in 2004, he became the world champion in Taiwan. And if you're curious about how the sport works, I added a link of Josh's competition footage on the post of this episode at the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast.com. Imagine a big circle like a wrestling competition area. 
And matter of fact, it's kind of similar to judo and wrestling because the athletes, it's a grappling art and athletes score points by pushing or pulling the opponent out of the circle or by takedown. And I watch about five minutes of it and it looks hard. A lot of upper body wrestling. It seems like there are not leg attacks involved from the little bit that I saw. However, a lot of throws and they have other styles as well. And now Josh Wenski is not only a black belt in jiu-jitsu under one of the best competitors ever, Marcelo Garcia, but also his business partner at Marcelo School in New York City and the MG Online. Now, why am I saying all that? As my public speaking mentor, Joel Dunn, always tells me, Gustavo, so what and who cares? The point is because Josh's book is about the pursuit of excellence. And one of the chapters is dedicated to the beginner's mind topic. He mentioned in the book, quote, beginner's mind is approaching things with a wonderful, fresh, open spirit of a child. Children look at something and they just want to learn it. They soak in the information, unquote. So what I'd like to do for these final thoughts is to show you two big concepts for you to keep in mind when you are developing your beginner's mindset. The number one is growth mindset. In the episode 24, I had the opportunity to interview Jensen Azarias, the founder of Higher Ground, an amazing nonprofit organization in Tucson, Arizona, where they offer a lot of different activities for children, including judo, jiu-jitsu, and personal development. Amazing program. He mentioned that the three main core concepts that they literally ingrain in the kids are number one, self-control, number two, resilience or grit, and number three, growth mindset, which was the title of the podcast and the final thoughts where I shared more information on the growth mindset. Josh mentioned how crucial it is to develop a beginner's mind with a growth mindset, not fixed mindset. I mentioned in that episode that I listened to the audiobook called Mindset, The New Psychology of Success by Dr. Carol Dweck. Her decades of research on achievement and success, she wondered why some people avoid challenges and or crumble when they face difficulties while others thrive and achieve their highest potential. Through the years, she developed the concept that there are two types of mindsets, fixed mindset and growth mindset. Essentially, Dr. Weck states that people with a fixed mindset believe that basic qualities like intelligence or talent are fixed traits and that these traits are responsible for success. Basically, you're born with it or not. On the other hand, there's the growth mindset in which people believe that new abilities can be developed through practice. This view creates the love for learning and improving. Josh Wainskin believes that in order to master ourselves, you have to adopt a growth mindset so you can have incremental improvements. If you're a BJJ practitioner, you understand that jiu-jitsu is all about incremental improvements, little by little consistency. If you want to master your jiu-jitsu skills, the consistency of spending time on a matter with proper instruction and good training partners will incrementally improve your skills after every class, and eventually move you from novice to master. And jiu-jitsu is not different than any other skill that you want to learn or develop even more. Now, the question that leads to my second suggestion, if you want to develop your beginner's mind, is number two, what is your goal? What do you want? Matter of fact, what do you want is not only the question, though, how good would you like to be? In the book, Josh mentions, Well, you can be decent, you can be good, you can be great, 
you can be among the best of what they do, it's totally up to you. Regardless of what you decide to learn in psychology, there are four stages of competence, which relates to the psychological states involved in the process of progressing from incompetence to competence in a skill. For example, do you remember when you heard about jiu-jitsu for the first time? Now, if you train jiu-jitsu, you know how challenging the first class was and so forth. Then, with more consistent practice and pattern recognitions, you started to become more competent in jiu-jitsu. And depending where you're at in your BJJ journey right now, by now, if you have been training for a long time, you probably move your body in a way that you don't even think about it, right? I just mentioned to you the four stages of competence that are very important to understand if you want to develop your beginner's mind. Number one, unconscious and incompetent. You didn't even know that jiu-jitsu existed, so of course you are incompetent on this skill. You don't know what you don't know. Number two, conscious and incompetent. You just found out what BJJ was. You became conscious of it, however incompetent, until you sign up for a class. Number three, conscious and competent. I feel that this is the main stage because that is where you're going to decide what level would you like to achieve. Like Josh said, novice level, good, great, or among the best of what they do. It's not about right or wrong. It's just about what you want. And number four, unconscious and competent. If you keep practicing a skill with consistency for a long time, you incrementally improve your skill and very often you don't even think about what you're doing like the way you move your hip in jiu-jitsu or an everyday example like driving a car. If you want to learn or develop even more a skill, be very clear with your expectations. Remember, do you want to reach a novice level or among the best in what they do? Not right or wrong option. For example, I play guitar for fun. I consider myself a novice player and I have no plans of playing in a band or being the best player ever. However, I can pursue to be the best player I can be, and you can do the same. Be the best that you can be. Regardless of the level, you must embrace the beginner's mind and the growth mindset so you can incrementally improve your skills, and over time, you can reach all four stages of competence. Keep Suzuki's quote in mind, quote, In the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, and the experts, there are a few, unquote. Be humble and open your mind. Oh. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, but the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.